It's a jackalope carnival. Jack, jack, jackalope. Jackalope carnival. Hey, Eric. Why do ghosts hate the rain? I don't know. Why do ghosts hate the rain, Becca? It dampens their spirits. <laughs> um, okay, I'll try again. <laughs> Ouch. Hey, Eric. Yes, why are Becca. ghosts so bad at lying? Why are ghosts so bad at lying? Because you can see right through them. <laughs> hey, Eric. Yes, Becca. <laughs> why was the ghost so happy? Why was he so happy? Oh, every shroud has a silver lining. You really sounded scared on that last one. So apparently my ghost jokes worked. Yeah, yeah. they're ghosts, you know. I'm Becca. And I'm Eric. And and we want to welcome you to Jackalope Carnival and also deeply apologize for those jokes. You're listening to our bi-weekly podcast where we explore the paranormal, the unusual, and the downright odd. And on occasion, tell some really bad jokes. That's actually the first time we've ever done that. We're not promising that'll ever happen again. Although we can't. Yeah, that's our only bad joke we've right. ever given in these podcasts. <laughs> right, we can't promise that's it. that it. The other ones were. But... Yeah, all our other jokes have been top notch. Witty banter, I tell you. So, in today's episode, we have more for you than just jokes. We're actually again going to be investigating the spirit world. So far, we've done an episode in past shows on the Ouija board. We've talked about EVP recordings or electronic voice recordings, but we really haven't talked about plain old hauntings, run-of-the-mill haunted experiences where people happen to walk up on a ghost or somehow experience a spirit without the help of an intermediary. No psychics, no mediums, no Ouija boards. And in America, there are definitely reports that a lot of us believe in the spirit world. Actually, there was a report, there was a Pew survey. I do um, love the Pew people. They're, they're great. They really are. So the Pew people do surveys. They can tell us a little bit more. They give us some great statistics that tell us a little bit more about social life, political life, and religious life in America, amongst other things. And the Pew surveys from 2015, and in that survey, they report that 29% of Americans, so almost a third of Americans, believe they felt in touch with a spirit. And if you look at just women, that number is 33%. Hmm. Now, of that 29% that I first mentioned, 18% believe they've seen a ghost. So 18% of Americans believe they've seen a ghost, and this number has doubled since 2009. Really? So either America is, yeah, so either America is more haunted, possible. Why not? After the year we've been through, (laughs) sure. Yeah, to be fair, to be fair, well, this this was 2015, so, you know, or our belief in the paranormal is changing in a historic way. More evidence of just how many Americans believe in haunted phenomenon is in a YouGov study, and that was conducted in 2019. And that survey claims that 45% of Americans believe in ghosts. Hmm. 
So may not have experienced it, may not have seen one, but believe in it. Also, you know, that survey had about a thousand respondents. So who knows if that's a large enough sample size. Um, But while I was looking up that 45%, it also said that 45% of Americans don't know how much tax is taken out of their paycheck. And also that in 2017, 45% of Americans got all their news from Facebook. So you can decide how you feel about those statistics. (laughs) <laughs> or what that says about America. Okay, I'm. Uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll push back a little here. I mean, when you say how much of uh, their paycheck is taken out in taxes, I mean, like to the penny. I mean, or like, you know, a rough guesstimate. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Furthermore, well, and they want to know how many of it is funding ghost studies. Probably, like, is enough <laughs> yeah, of my tax money right. funding the study of the paranormal? And then, furthermore, that is probably, and I can tell you the answer is no. The answer is no. Well, okay, there. there there's <laughs> and furthermore, that. the answer is always no. <laughs> so, what's really wild to me about those Pew statistics and the YouGov is that um, from another Pew survey, and this is my favorite one, it's Pew's Religious Landscape Survey. Oh, I do love and that. And they look at, yeah, they look at belief. And so, we know that from that survey, that belief in organized religion is falling in America. But belief in the paranormal, if we look at these different surveys, it looks like belief in the paranormal is holding fast or rising. So in short, folks believe in ghosts and spirits, and that belief isn't going anywhere. Now we have to look into this idea. I'm saying ghosts and spirits. Well, aren't they the same thing you might be thinking? According to a Florida psychic named Connie Cannon, as quoted in the book, Beyond Strange, True Tales of Alien Encounters and Paranormal Mysteries by Trish and Rob McGregor, There is a distinct difference between a ghost and a spirit, and I'm going to quote her. She says, a ghost can be described as a thought form projected from a spirit. It has no awareness, but performs a repetitive task. It's like a photographic imprint of a person or an event that replays continuously, like a memory powerfully impressed with a specific location. It can continue for centuries doing the same thing over and over again. So ghost, in essence, is nothing more than a spectral hologram of something or someone. Honestly, I worked at this park one time, and within a 48-hour period, several employees reported the same experience with a, I guess, spirit? Is that what she's calling it? Like the one where they don't have intelligence? No, she would say that's a ghost. That's a ghost. Okay, and a spirit... Spirits have a consciousness, according to Connie Cannon. Got it. Ghosts are memories of actions. So that's there seems to have been a ghost sighting uh, where I worked because two different employees on two days, like within a 48-hour period, saw the same spirit walk, or same ghost, rather, walk down the driveway at the same spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it scared the crap did out you, of everybody. So did you experience anything else when you saw this? Was it just visual or did you feel a chill? Because some people talk about that. They say they felt the chill or had a smell or soft whisper. 100%, 100% visual. And uh, like I said, two folks saw the same thing separated by one day. And then they didn't see, neither saw the ghost again, like for, you know, ever. 
So, yeah, that, that's, I mean, I've looked up, especially in the past um, week, I've been looking up for this, a lot more ghostly apparitions. Um, and it seems like that there are that type that kind of just wrote, do what they do. And it seems some people believe that there are ghosts that happen because of different, so ghosts and spirits happen to haunt places or things because of different phenomenon. Um, by the way, when I was asking you if you had felt something or had seen anything, I was going past um i was using a list from the canadian broadcasting network that has a handy dandy guide for kids <laughs> that lists some telltale signs of ghosts so what that tells me is that canada is using tax dollars for paranormal come on america i have a deep <laughs> with the program an abiding love of canada <laughs> that has only just deepened in the past minute so there <laughs> so the other thing, like I said, that seems to be common when it comes to the spirit world is that some spirits or ghosts appear because they're angry. They've been done wrong. And another is people that have died under violent circumstances. Now there's more, but I think we're going to look into these two today. Um, so ghosts that or spirits that have a reason to be around. And Eric's going to tell us a little bit, a little story, a little story time. Yeah, I have a, I have a case study, if you will, because I think that I have... In this one example, this one geographic example, I think I may have found one example of each of your type of paranormal phenomenon. So one ghost and one spirit, perhaps. Um, do you want me to go ahead and Whoa. talk about this right now? Do you want to? Absolutely. Okay. Largely, uh, although I found several descriptions of the same thing, largely I drew from uh, the website West Virginia Haunts and Legends. And you should look this up. The thing we're going to be talking about is the Hempfield Railroad Tunnel. The Hempfield Railroad Tunnel from West Virginia Haunts and Legends. Their article there is pretty good. I went ahead and I was uh, looking for other sources that said the same kind of things. And I found a lot of corroboration. So they did their homework. Um, I even found some reprints of 19th century newspapers uh, that gave me a little more detail about some of or at least one part of this story. Because there's two separate stories wrapped up in the same tunnel. Now, here's the interesting thing. This is just, it seems like a regular old railroad tunnel. And not a particularly long one either. Like, there's some tunnels, you know, that are built today in modern highway systems where you enter the tunnel and you don't really see the light at the other end or you can't see the other end, you know. Or like... Uh, even some rail-to-trail tunnels, which is what this tunnel has become, uh, where it gets awfully dark in the middle and, you know, the end seems very far away. This is a really short, relatively speaking, tunnel. And it's in Wheeling, West Virginia. And if you don't know where that is, there is a little panhandle of West Virginia that pokes up and it's kind of snuggled between Pennsylvania and Ohio. And as a matter of fact, if you are in that panhandle, uh, you can walk from Pennsylvania across West Virginia to Ohio in an afternoon easily. Um, it's it's not hard. You have to walk across a bridge, you know, across the Ohio River, but there it is. And Wheeling, West Virginia, at at the time that this this particular tunnel was dug, was actually still part of Virginia. You may or may not remember from history class that West this Virginia like a, yeah, oh, and, and Virginia were were the same state. Go ahead. War. No, I was just going to say so. Civil, like around the Civil War. That's right. So this is the the tunnel was built in 1850. So you know the Civil War is still a decade away. And yeah, but like mid okay mid century 1800s. Mm -hmm. That's right. And at the time, railroads were growing all over America. It was a thing. 
And the Hempfield Railroad Company was incorporated specifically to build this line that went from Wheeling to Greensburg, PA, which was about 70 miles away from where they were. And the easiest way to to create this railroad line was to go underneath one particular hill. Unfortunately, where that hill was, was directly under the town cemetery, which at this point was 35 years old. Uh, It was called the Peninsular Cemetery. And uh, I mean, think about that, though. 35 years old is like, you know, your relatives, <laughs> your fairly recent relatives. Oh, yeah. In some cases. Yeah, right, right, right. That's a really good point. Right. These aren't these aren't like old historic graves. These are like right. These are probably loved ones that you have gone to visit recently. And Wheeling had just, Ouch. you know. Yeah, just was, you know, growing at that time, as a matter of fact. Well, a lot of the accounts keep mentioning the fact that the graves were moved, but they keep putting qualifiers on it. And I don't know how accurate this is, historically speaking, but some of the sources kept saying that most of the graves were moved. And they would say it like in a flyby, like, and, you know, to make room for the railroad, most of the graves were moved, which, you know, leaves you go, what? Like, well, we're just going to leave, you know, what, with the, they just decide one day to like, oh, that's enough. We'll leave this one here. Whatever. They probably couldn't find them all. I I don't, you they know. They probably couldn't. I mean. I got nothing. Uh, well, I just, you're thinking if some of them had had wooden tombstones, mm-hmm. they had wooden markers. If some of the earlier ones had wooden markers, they might have disintegrated by then or been moved or who knows. Sure. Um, any of those things. And all we know is, is that between the sky and the tunnel there might be some folks smoldering so you know there's that i find that really hard to believe that they couldn't find all of them though because in general if you have um an old grave and it's i mean maybe not in 35 years but i know i've seen grave graveyards where you there's no marking that it's a graveyard but they sink like once that casket Mm -hmm. disintegrates that you know dirt falls right down so I find it hard that they couldn't find them. <laughs> yeah, I again, I got I got no more information on this, so it's really just conjecture. Although I will like to to bring this up now. I love to talk about this. Do you know the difference between a graveyard and a cemetery? Well, gosh, I don't. <laughs> a graveyard is on hallowed ground, consecrated, and it's it's yeah, usually a part of a of a church campus. Yeah, so a graveyard is part of a church campus. It's the graveyard of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, a cemetery may or may not be religiously affiliated. And it might just be the burial plot for the town, you know, and, and it's basically people of any religion or none can be buried there, you know. Uh, so this was a cemetery. This was I mean, not you a could graveyard. Have that and you could have those at your home, too, because plenty of houses from that decade, from that era, have people would just be buried in your backyard or somewhere on your property. Sure, sure. Yeah, and you could be born in the kitchen and buried in the backyard. I mean, that could be a thing. Uh, But this was a cemetery. This was not a graveyard. This was a cemetery. And some of them may have not been moved, and they just went ahead with the tunnel, and they dug it anyway. And part of the story, it's real interesting, real quick. But here's the thing. You would think, okay, I see where this is going. Like, I see, I see where your ghost story is going. I've seen the movie Poltergeist, right? And uh, the infamous scene. Um, but that's not immediately where I'm going, actually. Because in addition to this tunnel graveyard 
possible debacle. Um, it was also the site of a murder by a 19th century serial killer. And this is was this after the tunnel was dug? Yeah, yeah, this was after the tunnel was dug and a serial killer um killed one of his victims inside the tunnel. And so this tunnel is just, you know, it it had, doesn't have a chance, you know. It's it's not even getting out of the 19th century before it's just, you know, it's it's just cursed. Yeah, it is bound to be haunted. Day. Yeah, there you go. And so I kind of want to turn the, the the story ninety degrees now and talk about that a little bit, and then we'll circle back around to these uh, to these graves. So you might know that uh, a serial killer is different than a spree killer. Uh, usually, there's a cooling off period between uh, murders, and the person has to have uh, what is it like two or more? I looked this up and then I forgot and I did not put it in my notes. Um, I ended up in some really dark places for research this week, by the way. Um, I found myself going like, is this one of America's first serial killers? And I went looking for that answer to that question. I was after about two hours, I was very sorry. I went looking for the answer to that question because (laughs) there are people on the internet who freaking love to talk about serial killers and they have created charts and they have created detailed accounts. And I am going to have to watch. I don't even know what tonight to like bleach my brain from can I offer you another innocent and yet hilarious ghost joke? <laughs> no, Why, I'm yes, sorry. please do. Um, You're looking for healing. <laughs> yeah, anything. I'm just, I, I don't know what I'm going to have to do tonight. I'm going to have to like listen, sit down and listen to like New Order back to back or something. I don't know. But. Oh, yeah, that's cheery. <laughs> I I am cheered by New Order. Don't even. It's my thing. It's my happy place. It's one of my happy places. Or actually, Erasure is even better, truth be told. I'm Yeah, I'll just come out and say it. I do love me some synth pop. So there. Anyway, proud Gen X are here. Uh, this particular serial killer in Wheeling predates Jack the Ripper, the infamous Jack the Ripper, uh, by a couple decades. And even H.H. Holmes. Um, so this guy was doing his thing before. The thing is, though, is that I, the two reprinted articles. American pioneer. <laughs> of sorts. Uh, the two articles that I read from the time or the reprinted articles that I read didn't use the word serial killer, of course, because I don't think it was coined by. Um, yes, the mid- not, it probably wasn't coined then. No. no. Like- they, he got he did get his own moniker, though. Um, he had his he was the Parkersburg hatchet murderer. So there. Uh, it, I think they could use a little work on that, but okay, it's a little generic. I, I think I think it, it at the time it seemed a little more I don't know seemed edgy. Okay. What would you call? Him? Well, you don't know the story yet, so you can't name him. Uh, I'll ask you after we're done. Okay. I'd call him Fred. <laughs> well, I don't know that his name was Fred. Uh, he went by the name of Joseph Isley. But then he also, he emigrated to the United States, actually, this Joseph Isley. And he changed his name when he got out to West Virginia to John Schaefer. And it was probably to cut ties with some unsavory things he had done back in Europe. And I don't yeah, know. He's if, a he was already a serial killer when he got here. Or he had also involved himself in stealing things, um, which... You know, if you're making a list of terrible things to do, I would say that like pickpocketing and like hatchet murdering um, are kind of different leagues. You know, one is little league and the other is uh, hatchet murdering. But 
that's neither here nor there. I, I actually don't know where he's from. He was a German speaker. John Schaefer is the name he went by. And he decides that he's going to kill Joseph Lilienthal with a carpenter's hatchet. He had actually been working as a, as a cabinet maker. And he kills him at four o'clock in the morning. And he says he does it initially because he wants to rob him. Okay, fair enough. And this is in Parkersburg. His next murder is going to be quite a bit up the road. I found this surprising because Parkersburg and Wheeling are not right next to each other. There, It's a bit of a haul. And this is during a time when I'm guaranteeing you there weren't that good of roads in West Virginia. Because later in the same month, he's going to make his way up to Wheeling, where he's going to find himself at that tunnel. And he murders his and he calls this man a friend. And it's, you know, file this under with friends like that. Uh, but Alois Old, Ulrich who he also, this guy only uses a hatchet. It's his thing. That's where he got the name from. And so he kills Alois Ulrich and then stuffs his body into a drain pipe. Yeah. But he's not done yet. The third attempt is with Rudolf Suter, another man he calls friend. Being this man's friend is very dangerous. And this is some cold-hearted stuff because not only does he murder him with a hatchet, but he actually serves as pallbearer at his funeral. And then finally, he's <laughs> a sense of humor too. <laughs> if that's what you call that, um, his final attempt, though, is he tries to kill John White while he's trying to settle up an account. And like while John White is looking down, he pulls out the hatchet, and he's trying to he he like goes for the throat. You know, uh, this is in the afternoon, and he does this, and John White fights back, which is kind of impressive. Uh, to the point where they're like literally like pushed out the door, rolling around the ground. Imagine he's bleeding from the neck. Here's Isley locked in, you know, a mortal struggle with him. And passersby apparently are just kind of like, you know, dumbfounded about what's happening here. Uh, he gets up from the tussle and he runs off. But the people track him down. They, they run after him. They grab him. And that's that. And Isley is done. His little reign of terror in West Virginia is over. He is tried and he is hanged. The local newspapers at the time are extraordinarily uh, detailed in their accounts of darn near everything. Now, one of the things that I found most interesting is um, he gives a a little statement in German uh, that has to be uh, translated. I'm pretty sure it said Wolpertinger. It does not mention Wolpertingers at all, but it does mention... Well, here, I will let you hear hear this out. Uh, According to the Cincinnati Daily Inquirer on March 11th, 1868, I want no witness and no defense. I cannot really give any reason for my misdeeds, except that the evil spirit led me into temptation and I could not Hmm. resist it. I am willing Hmm. to sacrifice my blood and life for my crimes and hope the almighty God will forgive me and after death receive me into his kingdom. I therefore beg the people present for their forgiveness. I have no enmity towards anyone in the world and acknowledge that I deserve all that may befall me and am ready to bear it with all patience. And according to the extraordinarily detailed accounts from two different newspapers, when time came for his execution, he put his hands behind his back and that was it. And basically, next thing you know, he's dead. 
if you're really interested in a lot more descriptions of how that all went down, you can look it up yourself. So he's not, but he's not the haunted. He's not. He the is ghost not. Uh, he, he is not. His the, the alleged ghost from that tunnel is actually Al- Al- Alois Ulrich, um, who was stuffed into the drain. And there is, <laughs> uh, going back to the website that I was talking you about, West Virginia Haunts and Legends, they give quite a ghost yarn about Mr. Ulrich's ghost. Here, take a listen to this. I don't know if this is someone who has a, a very vivid ability to recount their own experiences or if someone was maybe embellishing. But basically what we have is this. It says... It wasn't long after the body of Alois Ulrich was found in the culvert when travelers taking the shortcut through the Hempfield Tunnel began hearing what could only be described as deep groans and cries of a man begging for mercy. Then directly over the area where Ulrich had been murdered, a ghastly form emerged on the ceiling, swathed in the green slime, certainly gathered from the dead patrons left in the cemetery above and his own rotten flesh. His arm was extended with bloody mm. fingers hanging, half severed from the stems. The forefinger of the other hand was pointing desperately at the temple where a huge gash lay, fresh but with dark clotted blood. A guttural groan. All right. A guttural groan. Oh, no. <laughs> I only got one more sentence. Ready? A guttural groan would slip from the throat telling those who would hear, let the dead rest. Then the ghost would sail away. So is He's that a so spirit profound. or a ghost? Um. Well, I don't think he was doing the same thing and he had a message. So it would seem like that would be a spirit. That's a spirit. Okay. I don't know. I'm just going by a Florida psychic. <laughs> hey, she's got, she's got the topology. I'm just learning here. It, uh, you do have to admit, whoever wrote that is is a heck of a storyteller though right that's not those aren't my words folks i'm i'm quoting a website um i was kind of impressed with the story so i'm just recounting it word for word so uh whoever wrote that account okay so fantastic so how often does this one appear uh that was the only really uh vivid account of him i've heard basically the other accounts are you go in there and you hear groans that's what you that's what you hear or my other favorite one okay. and i don't know where this goes but apparently sometimes people walk through there because, again, it's a rails to trail trail now. Basically, they take old railroads that aren't running trains anymore. They put asphalt down and you can walk on them for exercise. They're very cool. It's very nice. Um, so now you can walk through yourself if you'd like to. But not only do people hear groans in this tunnel reportedly sometimes, also sometimes apparently folks have said uh, there's goo on the walls. Oh, delightful. Especially after that delightful passage that you just read us. So, yeah, gooey, gory. It's gooey. I prefer my ghosts less gooey. (laughs) I prefer my ghosts not gooey. (laughs) Gooey ghost. And are the gooey ghosts, are are they the the band name of the week? Gooey ghosts is the band name of the week, I think. Yeah, definitely. So uh, the groans, they, they would assume then it has more to do with the cemetery being moved. Is that the idea? Uh, again, I don't think that anyone who's heard the, the groans really have a sense of who's groaning. Huh. <laughs> whether it's, the, whether it's uh, poor Mr. Ulrich or whether it's uh, you know, the folks who 
upstairs who are having a hard time, you know, with the fact that they're not resting peacefully because there's a tunnel underneath them. And there's a tunnel underneath them or, you know, yeah, they wanted to rest peacefully and now they have a rails to trail, which I would think would be pretty cool. That's probably so, a step up from the train, I'd have to say. Um, what I was thinking about was another site in Pennsylvania um, when I was thinking about this idea of ghosts that go through the same thing. And I was thinking about Gettysburg and mm. how um, a lot of people consider Gettysburg haunted. But that would seem to be more of a ghost rather than a spirit, wouldn't it? That because does, yeah. a lot of things that they've seen have to do with, for those of you who aren't aware of what Gettysburg Battlefield is, Eric. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, so, of course, one of the major battles of the Civil War, it was uh, Lee's army's northernmost excursion into the north where he was turned back uh, to go south and never come north again. And it was a, a long, bloody battle where lots of folks were wounded and lost their lives. And there were field and, hospitals that were set mm-hmm. up at the local college. Uh, and that that's supposed to have a lot of activity as well, as well as the battlefield proper. And I, I mean, I would say that as far as uh, in general, it just doesn't feel great. There's like, if you're going to talk about creepy feelings, it just doesn't feel great. But one thing that I've heard people talk about is that there's Civil War era ghosts that are kind of just still st- trapped in battle mm. like they're doing that rote ghost thing so her what a sort terrible of thing to get spirit stuck hologram in. pardon what a terrible thing to get stuck in i mean i would i wouldn't mind getting stuck like on a roller coaster that'd be kind of fun well one thing and that's funny you should say that because there are i have read accounts of haunted amusement parks um, but there's one that i was reading about that seemed like a particularly tragic place to haunt. And in Colorado Springs, Colorado Springs, Colorado, it appears that there's a haunted Arby's. Um, <laughs> so the, the story goes, that? yeah. So, I mean, I actually looked, it, uh, I looked, there were stories of haunted Walmart, <laughs> stories of haunted Kmart, also in Colorado Springs, hmm. um, stories of other hauntings. But it seems like that the story goes that there was a manager of an Arby's out in Colorado Springs, uh, which I have a, a connection to. So I felt like, oh, well, I've been past that Arby's uh, that was shot sometime in the 90s. She had fired one of her employees and they shot and killed her. And they say that she still haunts the place, that she's the manager. So she's a helpful ghost. Um, she goes through and make make sure things are closed down well. She's been told to like have filled napkins and um, just have an imp- a, a presence People have said they felt her presence poking them or they felt her standing next to them. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But also, I think that it's you would imagine that if old creepy houses could be haunted, so could anywhere, really. Right. Yeah. I mean, apparently, if you're in Colorado Springs, uh, strip malls are just hotbeds of paranormal activity. No, in Ohio, there was a Taco Bell, and the the Taco Bell was like a hotbed of activity. (laughs) Much like parakeets talking to the dead. I don't know why, but I'm having a hard time with the whole paranormal activity in the fast food place. I don't know why. Because it's just not the atmosphere you want. So you only believe in paranormal activity for atmosphere. I want crows. (laughs) I want railroads. I'm not looking for Arby's and parakeets, folks. 
Uh, yeah. So it, it basically goes to show, though, that hauntings can be anywhere at any time. Um, and there's a lot of different reasons for hauntings to happen. Hopefully we'll revisit this at another time. I promise I won't. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll talk all about Haunted Walmart. <laughs> That's our show for you today. Hope you stop by in two weeks and thank you for listening. Take care. Folks. The next thing I'll actually say is this, that um, I've seen ghosts. That was exactly what you were thinking, wasn't it?